Welcome to Regeneration Studio. My name's Katerina Jabeur, and this is the third narrative journey into creative business ideas and how they regenerate individuals and communities. Today, I bring you an enchanting narrative about the Ubroma cacao, literally, food of the gods, and La Chocolatrice, run by Zoe Rotter. Welcome to the show, Zoe. Thank you for having me. This is going to be a mouth-watering episode, one that will have us dipping in and out of liquid chocolate stories and transport us back to our childhood days when some of us fell in love with the magic of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and we still had a world of possibilities open to us. To give our listeners an idea of your background, imagine there's a film or a book soon to be released called La Chocolatrice. Can you briefly introduce yourself in the style of a film trailer or book blurb? Okay, so take a trip to chocolate heaven and begin your chocolate love story at La Chocolatrice. Hidden in the heart of Newcastle, La Chocolatrice is a place of fun, learning and laughter. It's also very delicious. Thank you, Zoe. So, part one. Before Zoe takes us down Westgate Street in Newcastle, where she has recently opened her School of Chocolate, hosting workshops and selling unique handmade chocolate bars, I'm going to tell a story of my own. It starts with the name, Newhouse, and Johannesburg International Airport, or Oatumbo, as we call it today. An incredibly special place for me. As a former business manager of the South African post office, my dad traveled a lot. I was unbelievably excited each time he went on a business trip because he always returned with a piece of the country that he visited. This piece was normally a gift, an indigenous animal in the form of a soft toy or a cultural doll. Fancy ladies in lacy dresses, Asian women in silk garments, kangaroos and cuddly bears, all kinds of toys formed multicultural communities in my room and the world slowly shrank to a couple of square metres. What was equally exciting, maybe even more so, was the box of Newhouse chocolates that almost always came with the gift. My siblings and I each received one with two layers of chocolates. We became well acquainted with each of these chocolates, masterfully crafted by the best Belgium chocolatiers. We kept our boxes in our rooms, eating our least favourite ones first, and keeping the best ones to last. I normally managed to keep my box the longest because it was a tangible form of my dad's love and filled the long empty hours while he was at his office working. I hardly ever had more than one at a time and would savour it, biting it off piece by piece until there was nothing left to make his love last just a little bit longer. I actually felt an aching pain when I went was down to the last chocolate in the box. Almost like coming to accept the death of a loved one. Now I admit, I do not save a chocolate quite in the way I did back then. But it is still one of the most comforting treats in the world. To be honest, as someone who always has 110 things on my mind, it has become more of an energy boost than a treat. And I'm afraid it's the same for many of us. If we are not careful, 
chocolate might no longer be deemed worthy to be called food of the gods. So, sorry. Anyone who has recently wandered up Westgate Street would have noticed your shopfront, which aims to bring a touch of beauty and magic back into our lives, especially at night when soft lights glisten in the large window, mirroring our most treasured occasions and inviting passers-by into a fairy tale of exquisitely crafted delights. Between the magic of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and the world of temptation in the film Chocolat, where does La Chocolatrice see itself? So I think that's a lovely way to describe the shop firstly. So it is a fairy tale world. It's a way that you can step away from every, everyday life into something new and exciting. I would say that I'm probably right in the middle of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Chocolat. Both films and books have so much magic in them. And I see myself like, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is crazy, it's fun, it's exciting. The ideas are so like, childlike and they do take you back to your childhood and I think that's something that I aim to do every like people run through the doors with like a childish excitement about them and they'll shout things like I've been so excited to come to a workshop here and you do you see like that childish like element that every one of us has inside and then chocolat obviously I lived in France for three and a half years and France did have a massive influence when I started La Chocolatrice and the film and the story, it is, it's a classic, isn't it? So it's a lady who moves to a small town in France and opens something so foreign to the residents there. And I think, you know, both of them, they both have elements that I've taken so much inspiration from. So yeah, I put myself right in the middle. Do you think the effect your shop is having on Newcastle is a little bit similar to that in the chocolat? Um, maybe, although I think people are a lot more accepting of me. I think when she moved in to that small town in France, people weren't very happy or, or like secretly they were happy, but they couldn't yes. show it. But people are very outwardly happy when they come into La Chocolatrice. And I think one of the special things about my shop in particular is that it's the only independent chocolate shop in the centre of Newcastle. So it's something mm. just a little bit different. Um, and, you know, each bar is beautifully handcrafted. Everything's handmade. And I do think it offers that little piece of magic. So I think maybe it's the chocolate shop at the end of Chocolat rather than at the start. <laughs> That's true. And believe me, if you see the shop, it is absolutely gorgeous. Thank you. When you bite into one of the unique chocolate bars, as Zoe mentioned, entirely handmade by herself, and made from the best, most responsibly sourced ingredients, you really are reminded that chocolate is the food of the gods. And you can learn how to make this food yourself by attending one of Zoe's workshops. When you decided to start La Chocolatrice, what was your main goal? To teach people to make their own chocolate or to sell your chocolate? So my goal was very much to teach people how to make their own chocolate. Um, I was actually working as a teacher until June this year. So teaching is something that's very much, it's my thing. I yes. really enjoy teaching. And I wanted to teach something that people genuinely wanted to learn. So chocolate is, it is the food of the gods. It's really mm. special. And the product that you leave my workshops with is an absolute luxury. The truffles are delicious. They're super creamy and soft. They melt in your mouth. And... It's, it's almost like breaking down that barrier. I think there's a mysterious world around chocolate mm. and I want you to be able to enjoy it at home. Every recipe that I teach, you can take straight home to your kitchen and make again and again and again. And I think that 
it's lovely for people to come to the shop and be able to do that and be able to learn that new skill. And I suppose, yep, that is my main thing. That was my main thing. But then equally the chocolate side has really taken off. So I find myself making like increasingly larger batches of chocolate day by day. And I love it, it's so exciting. So there's nothing better than like sitting down and deciding what chocolate bar to make next and how to make it magical and a little bit special, so. Does anyone else stock your chocolate bars? Yeah, so currently I'm stocking Beamish Museum, which is so exciting. It's so cool. So when I was 19, I moved back from France. So I'd been there for a year and I came back to start university. And I actually got a summer job at Beamish and ended up working there for two summers. So I was one of the original members of the fish and chip frying team. I had no idea. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hidden hidden talents. And I used to chop the potatoes and make the the paper the newspaper cones for the fish and chips and talk to all of the visitors and I loved working at Beamish it's such an amazing place um it's I think actually it's quite a privilege to have worked there and see all the hard work that goes on behind the scenes so when I was approached by Beamish to supply them with chocolate it was something well I'm still really excited about it so they send me their cinder toffee that they make in their sweet shop and then I combine it with really high quality milk chocolate and make delicious bars. I can't stop eating them. You're um, making me hungry. <laughs> oh, I'm making myself hungry. And then I send them back to Beamish. And it has been, it's been amazing. It's such a cool experience. I got to go into their stores and look through all of the 1950s magazines and packaging. And we designed something really cool. So that's incredible. So really, to me, the aim of La Chocolatrice is to make people slow down, stop. Yeah, and enter a world of magic. Whether they simply enter your shop to look at the incredible chocolate bars or learn the mysterious craft of chocolate making themselves, chocolate becomes something special again. A secret. A moment away from the world. A moment all to yourself, immersed in the diverse and rich flavours of the chocolate. But what exactly can people expect from a workshop? In what way does your shop bring new life into Newcastle City Centre? So workshops are really fun, really hands-on and also very intimate. So most of the workshops I'm currently running have are either private, so just for your group, or have a maximum group size of 10 people. And they're spread out over two hours, so they're not rushed at all. We do really take that time to relax and chill out. And during a typical workshop, we make three recipes. So chocolate truffles, chocolate flakes, chocolate crisps. And then we also learn how to temper chocolate. And tempering is one of the most important skills in chocolate making. And it's something that's really transferable. So if you learn how to temper chocolate, then suddenly your strawberries dipped in chocolate go to a whole new level. Um, And they're just really fun. There's lots of tasting. Like I said, it's very hands-on. And the good thing about the workshops is that you get to take home everything that you make. So you go home with a stash of chocolate to last, well, I say for weeks, but probably more realistically for days. Um, And they are really good fun. We have a good time. We chat, we laugh. Yes, it sounds really fun. And I will be honest, I have not actually attended one of these workshops, but it is on my book list. Yeah, you'll have to come and do do one. Part two, childhood dreams. What I haven't mentioned before, Zoe's briefly touched on it, 
is that I originally met Zoe when we were both teaching French and Spanish in a school in Stockton. We both loved our profession so much, Zoe perhaps more so than <laughs> me, that we chose to follow entirely different career paths <laughs> and in a way revert back to our childhood dreams. Chocolate for Zoe, storytelling for me. You have spoken about your childhood and your time in France as inspirations for La Chocolatrice on uh, different programs and your blog. Could you tell me more about the journey that inspired you to open the shop? Yeah, so from a young age, I've always loved chocolate. I feel like I've said this a million times now, but my grandpa <laughs> used to buy me a bar of chocolate every day and he used to tell me to hide it and not to let anyone share it. And that was my treat. So I grew up eating a ridiculous amount of chocolate in secret that my parents probably knew not a lot about. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved it. I loved chocolate. And because it did always start as that secret little treat of mine, I think it's always been something that I've loved. And then I moved to France. So when I was 18, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And I moved to France and I started to work as an au pair. And I'd always loved France like the idea of France, I'd never really been. And I'd learned French at school, so it was just something that happened and it happened really very quickly. And I worked as an au pair, the family I worked for were fantastic, but they loved chocolate. So they used to give me recipes and they, tell, they told me that it was to improve my French, um, which it did. But in reality, I think that it was to improve the quality of desserts in the house. <laughs> so I used to make so many different cakes and patisseries and chocolate treats. And I just developed a passion for it that way. And then I moved to Paris after that and I was an English teacher there, but every holidays I'd book onto a different patisserie course or a chocolate course or something, something new and exciting and did a lot of training that way. And then I decided I should get a real job. So I came home and tried loads of different things and then ultimately decided that this was what I should do. So in June last year, I dramatically quit teaching and I've been working on it ever since. And then the shop opened in November and it has been such a journey, but such an exciting and delicious one. And I'm really enjoying it. Yes. So what do you think uh, about changing career paths? Why do people necessarily just follow a path they don't necessarily enjoy? I think for me, I never really believed that chocolate could be a real job. I know that people are chocolatiers, but it was, I mean, when you're at school, you hear about jobs and professions and chocolatier was never really one that was suggested no, to me. Definitely not. No, and I don't think people really know how to access it and how to, like, how to follow their dreams. I don't think we're taught to follow our no. dreams. And so I just, like, I knew, I knew jobs. You Google jobs and you find something. And I think my first job out of university, I went back to France actually, and I managed a children's like school trip center. All right. Which was fantastic. I had so much fun. I lived about a five minute walk from the local patisserie. So again, just spent a year <laughs> eating cake. Seems you can't get away from Oh no, I got patisseries. I, I can't escape it. Um, and I was there for a year and then was offered a job in back in the UK. And I worked for a huge chemicals company doing the French customer accounts. And again, it was it was a really good job. The office was fantastic. My colleagues were amazing, but it just my heart wasn't there. It wasn't where I wanted to be. So then I realized I missed working with the children that I'd worked with in France. So I became a French and Spanish teacher 
And it was fantastic. But again, something just wasn't quite right. It wasn't the job that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And there was always that little voice in the back of my head saying, you've done all of this chocolate training. You've, you love chocolate. And yeah, and then I woke up one morning and it was literally, it almost came to me in a dream. It sounds really dramatic, but I woke up and I just decided that that's what I wanted to do. And that's how it happened. I actually remember that morning. <laughs> She was walking down the hallway. We were both still teaching at the same school. And she said, I've decided I'm doing chocolate. And she was very, very determined about that. <laughs> and I'm so glad I woke up with that determination. <laughs> so it is definitely more common these days to follow more than one career path. I have probably had three, maybe more different jobs in the last eight years. And I think we often start a career because we feel pressured to meet other people's expectations. Or we simply lack the confidence to pursue what we really want to do. You've had a few different jobs, as you've just explained. What motivates you and what advice would you give to our listeners about pursuing their dream job? So I think my motivation is to wake up every day and feel content that I'm doing something that I love and also something that I believe can make a difference. Now, the difference, I think when I was a teacher... I loved it. I think teaching is such a worthy profession and I really admire people who go to work to help other people and to make a difference. And that was one concern that I had when leaving education. However, I think the job I'm doing now makes people happy and brings joy to people's lives. And I think that's really important to do something that you love and that you enjoy. There's nothing more amazing. The advice that I'd probably give to people, and I'm stealing this from somebody else, when I, when I was teaching, I was lucky enough to be in one of the most amazing school assemblies I think has probably ever happened it was during my teacher training year and I was in a school in Hartlepool and an IT teacher got on stage and he was someone I hadn't met before and he stood up and he told a story well first of all he played a music video from the 80s and it was really cool and the teachers were all like dancing a little bit around the edge of the hall and then he told the kids that that was him and that he'd had a number one hit in the 80s and his band had got quite big. And then just suddenly they'd lost popularity and nothing had really happened. He was following his dream and he'd worked so hard for it and nothing really happened. But it just was that they didn't continue with the fame that they had. And he said that it's so important to follow your dreams and it's the most important thing he's ever done. He doesn't regret it. He had an amazing time, but it's also equally important to have an education to fall back on. And I think that is a really, like, it really hit me. And I think I'm really grateful that I have my teaching degree because I, I intend for La Chocolatrice to be super successful. But I also think that it's super important. And this is more for kids. I, sound, I am a teacher at heart, <laughs> but it is so important to work hard at school and have that education because yeah. it's so valuable. And everything I've learned in teaching has transferred really well into my business. Like time management, there's so many transferable skills. So I think just work hard in everything that you do. And if you are following that dream, put everything that you have into it because you only really get a couple of shots. Yes, so that's you, true. Yeah, <laughs> so you need to work hard and just, you know, be passionate and make sure that if it is a dream that you're following, you're sure that it's your dream because yes. then you will work hard and it won't even yes. be, it won't even feel like it. That's true because it's going to make it worth it. Mm -hmm. So it is no doubt, as you've explained, hard work to create this chocolatey dream world and make it a success. Walk us through a typical day in your shop. What happens behind the scenes? 
So this question, I find a really difficult one to answer because there is no typical day. Every day is different and every day I face new challenges and new adventures. But for example, so on a workshop day, so Saturdays and Sundays are the main days that I run workshops. Although I do sometimes run them during the week, but I usually have three workshops a day. So I get in and I start my day in a beautiful way by melting loads of chocolate. So usually about five kilograms at a time. The tasting doesn't start at that point yet, does it? (laughs) Well, you'd be surprised. (laughs) So yeah, I melt loads of chocolate. I set up for the workshops and then they all happen so quickly. So it seems like I've got so much time and then people are in there. And my job basically that I've created myself is chatting to people while making chocolate Mm -hmm. and it is lovely and each group is so different and I haven't had a bad one yet and you get to learn so much about people's lives you hear their stories and I am so nosy so at first I think people are really taken aback when I say so tell me about yourself what do you do but then you know you get to know people and it's lovely I feel like by the end I have new friends it would be (laughs) maybe a little bit weird if we had was silent chocolate workshop exactly so you've got to be super chatty but then I've got the other days that are chocolate making days so sometimes I'm working with like ridiculous amounts of chocolate like 20 Mm -hmm. kilograms of chocolate and it's so much fun and usually I go there's still some tasting involved there's lots (laughs) well I have to make sure every bar tastes good um but usually I get really sidetracked because I've decided Mm -hmm. to make a new bar that definitely isn't on my menu Mm -hmm. and just experiment um, but there, there does come a point where you just have to be serious and start making bars of chocolate. So yeah, no two days are the same, but every single day is fun. Can you just quickly give us two examples of original chocolate bars that you stock? So my favorite bars at the moment, I do a really nice honeycomb bar. So I love honeycomb. I think it's a classic, especially with milk chocolate. And the milk chocolate I use, I don't think I um, appreciated how delicious it was until last week. And since then, I just can't stop eating it. <laughs> so the, yeah, I like the milk chocolate honeycomb bar. Another milk chocolate one, and I am going to give you three because I can't do too many milk chocolate, but milk okay. chocolate banoffee bar is Ooh, my yes. ultimate favorite. I've seen these pictures of these. And you They're know amazing. what? It's so unexpected because I only made it as like a little experiment. And I think I made 15 bars in the first batch. And out of the 15, I ate seven. But I love it. It's milk chocolate with freeze-dried bananas and caramel chunks. And it is so tasty. And then I also do... I like classics. So back to classics. I really like the white chocolate and raspberry bar as well. I think there's something special in that combination. And just because you mentioned it, would you say that your workshops, they definitely help people reconnect? Uh, Whether they reconnect maybe with people they know already, friends, family, or even with strangers? Yeah, I think it's lovely. So I think that people come in and they'll often, I get a lot of families, I get a lot of friends and we do, we chat a lot and then people, like you have your own time as well. So while we're shaping the truffles, I try, like you get your own time and people just have a nice catch up Mm -hmm. and it's lovely. And then in the public workshops, um, so for example, I did a Valentine's workshop recently and there were five couples in there and the couples didn't know each other. But by the end of the workshop, I felt as if 
people had made genuine friends. Like it was lovely. And what I tried to do is set little competitive elements that get people really talking. In the Valentine's workshop, however, it went too competitive. And at one point I turned around and everyone was working so seriously because I wanted to win this competition that I had to cancel the competition because they weren't having fun. <laughs> but no, it's really nice. And I think people connect as well with themselves. Mm. It's, it's, there's something about learning a new skill and doing something completely abstract to your everyday life. And it's so relaxing. Yes. I think it's a really nice thing to be able to do. Part three, living a better life. Each person's relationship with chocolate might be different. There might even be people who don't particularly like it, although I'm yet to meet such people. But it's a central part of our lives and seems to be a quiet companion during the most important times of the year. Christmas, Easter, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Valentine's Day of course, and not to mention birthdays, weddings, christenings, anniversaries, funerals. It is the ideal gift, except for those people who do not like it of course. No wonder it does become somewhat everyday. However, when we delve deeper into chocolate's journey from the delicate cacao plants to the drying and roasting process of its beans and understand how the final blended versions of chocolate is made by combining different ratios of cacao liquor, cacao butter, milk and vanilla, we'll appreciate how special good quality chocolate really is. If you are interested in the details of this journey, be sure to read the accompanying article to the podcast. It can also be beneficial for our health, depending on which chocolate we eat and how much of it. Now, I'm a little bit obsessed with well-being and how our interaction with the world affects our state of mind, including how chocolate can affect the way we feel. Back to Zoe. There are many health benefits to chocolate. Uh, the type of chocolate that do not contain many additives and sugar. How do you view chocolate in terms of mental health and well-being? So a few things on this point, and it's something that I do concentrate on within my workshops because I am really responsible with chocolate. I am like super health conscious and I do know that sometimes chocolate isn't so positive for your health. However, the chocolate that I use in my shop, I make sure when I'm choosing the chocolate that it's really high quality and that really can affect the way that it affects our body. So the chocolate that I use only has five ingredients. And this is the dark chocolate. So it has cocoa mass, cocoa butter, vanilla, sugar, and then an emulsifier and nothing else. I think you should be really wary of big long ingredients lists because often there'll be something added to the chocolate to make it addictive, to make you want more. Yes. And when chocolate's really pure, you shouldn't need as much of it to keep you satisfied, mm -hmm. to, to satisfy yes. you. So the chocolate that I use, because it is such high quality, the flavor stays in your mouth for a lot longer. So you don't need to eat a whole bar. You should only need a couple of, well, I, I use yeah. buttons, a couple of buttons to satisfy you. But I think in terms of mental health and well-being, a little bit of chocolate for me is a luxury and I use it as a luxury and I use it as something, it does make me feel better. Mm -hmm. I think- it Makes me feel better too. Yeah, if you're eating a nice chocolate as well and you know it's a treat, then taking that time out of your day to slow down mm. and to eat it, it's yes. it, it's really nice, so yeah. So how how would, would you say chocolate helps us slow down 
and appreciate what is important in life? Well, I just, I think, I always advise that people think about the journey that chocolate's been on. Mm-hmm. It isn't something that that is super readily available. Obviously, where we live, it is. You can pick up a piece yes. of chocolate on the shelf, but I do view chocolate in terms of two categories. So there's the chocolate I grew up eating, and then there's the really good quality luxury chocolate that I now make. Mm-hmm. And they are, for me, two completely different things. And I think when you're eating your chocolate, you can think, the cocoa beans came from a plantation somewhere in Africa or South America or somewhere else that those beans were grown and it has been on an absolute journey to get from being that cocoa bean to being the bar that you're eating and if you actually stop and think about that it's amazing and what you're eating is incredible it's such a luxury and it's such a treat and there was a really nice story actually I recently went on a training course to learn some new recipes Mm -hmm. and some new techniques And the chocolatier who was leading the course, he told us that he'd recently been to one of the plantations to see where the cocoa beans that he was using had been grown. And he took with him some of the chocolates that he makes. And the chocolate that he makes is incredible. And he let the farmers taste it and they were horrified (laughs) at what he'd done with their cocoa beans and that people in our society really like it. Because he said it was so sweet because they'd added so much sugar and different ingredients. And what we like view cocoa as and chocolate is so vastly different Mm. to how it begins. And I know I've gone massively off piste with this, but I think in terms of slowing down and appreciating what's important in life, it is so important to look after yourself. And self-care is something that I am huge on because if you look after yourself, everything else in life just becomes that little bit easier. So I don't think, I don't believe in denying yourself. So I think everything in moderation, but if you're denying yourself something, then what usually happens for me anyway, is if I suddenly said, I'm not eating chocolate for the next month. At the end of that month, I would eat so much chocolate that it would be bad for me. So a little bit is fine. So thank you so much for agreeing to come on to the show, Zoe. Just to finish up, I have a few roundup questions to ask. This is kind of like a thing where I just get to know you a little bit better. Our listeners get to know you a little bit better. And we'll start with the first question. What is the most recent film or series you watched, podcast you listened to, or book you read? So I love reading. And recently, I just read The Handmaid's Tale. And I think I'm a little bit late to the party. I think everyone seems <laughs> to have read, read it. I haven't read it yet. Oh, it's fantastic. I'd Honestly. recommend. <laughs> and genuinely, it was one of my favourite books I've ever read. I think it's incredible. And I think the subjects that it touches on are really important. And I read an interview with the author recently who said that everything that happens in the book has happened to a woman somewhere around the world at some point. And some of the things that happen are completely shocking. So it's a really interesting book. I'll have to Horrible. Find- but oh, inter- it's not horrible it's not a horrible one. book it's an interesting book <laughs> but when you think is- deeply yeah. it's not very nice all right but, but i would recommend i okay, think it's important right. I'll, I'll try and find a copy of that <laughs> i have one uh, you can borrow oh, thank you. <laughs> what is your favorite meal and this can be a dessert but maybe not chocolate it's not it's not a dessert so oh, okay. quite controversially okay I always ask the question, what would your death row meal be? So if yes, you had one last meal. Like yeah, yeah, so and mine would be lasagna, homemade, because I like making lasagna, oh, with wow. a really nice salad, with a really like simple, I use sweet apple vinegar on the dressing. Sweet really tasty. Apple. If it's my last meal, I'd probably go all out and have potato wedges and garlic bread as well. And, uh, yes, all um, the good stuff. All the good yes. stuff. So just carbs, basically, yeah. with a little bit of salad to trick myself into thinking it's healthy. 
Right. And uh, tell us about the best mistake you've made and what you learned from it. Ooh, it's a hard question, this, because you don't really like to think about the mistakes that you make. Um, I think something that I'm guilty of, I can't pinpoint one mistake, but something that I'm guilty of is often speaking too soon. So I'll announce something to people Mm -hmm. that might never happen or... I'll tell someone something that's maybe not confirmed. And I think that is something that I really try not to do anymore. I think it's a mistake that I've learned from a few times. So Can you give us a particular example? Oh, no, I can't. Oh. I need to think. No, not really. All right, well, if you do come up with something, you can tell us at the end. There's I will. not that much time left, actually. <laughs> so, fourth question. What is the best city or place in the world and why? So anyone who you can knows only choose me, one. Oh, I can easily. <laughs> anyone who knows me knows that I never stop talking about Paris. I love Paris. And particularly, I love the area just at the foot of Montmartre. So if you're ever going to Paris, that's where I'd recommend. It's a bit controversial again. Um, but Paris, right. because there's a, there's a really dodgy area right about there. Yeah. But there's a street called Rue de Martyr. Yes. And it has like patisseries, bakeries. And we're back to the patisserie and the bakery. I just like eating yes. is my problem. I'm the same. And it's a nice street. It's a big, long one. And But no, Paris is lovely. And I always recommend Paris. It's the city of love, isn't it? But genuinely, when you're there, even if you're not in love, you feel the love. Like you're in love. Or the love. Just the love. That's, it's, that's you're surrounded beautiful. by it. And it yes, doesn't make you feel bad. Beautiful. Everything's done with love in Paris. If someone wanted advice on entering a career in chocolate for example become a chocolatier because now we know that is a career (laughs) and or starting their own retail business what would you tell them um i think when people probably well i don't know but i think when people think of chocolatier because it's chocolate and because it's so nice people probably think it's quite easy Mm -hmm. starting your own business whatever you're doing is hard so if you're prepared to put in the time i'd say go for it make sure it's something that you love but know that you will be working a lot. (laughs) But it's going to be delicious, so. Great. Thank you again. It has been a pleasure, and I really hope many of our listeners will pause for a second, maybe even now, and really take the time to enjoy a piece of chocolate Mm -hmm. and feel a tiny bit of its magic fill their lives. If you are looking for original creative chocolate bars, handmade from the best ingredients and beautifully packaged, you will be able to find them at La Chocolatrice in Newcastle after everything's been restored to normal. Or you'll be able to learn to make your own. Zoe normally does private or public workshops which you can book online by going to lachocolatrice.co.uk. At the moment she's testing new recipes until she can reopen to the public. Thanks for listening to the show and to Zoe for joining me today. For more about me and why I started this podcast and blog series, which documents stories about personal and professional transformation, listen to my first two episodes. There is also an accompanying visual article for most episodes. And don't forget, if you enjoyed this narrative journey, kindly spread the word by leaving me a review, sharing the article and podcast and giving me a big thumbs up on social media. Join me next time for more narrative journeys into creative business ideas.